October 13, Chadwick Boseman and Sterling K. Brown in Marshall, based on a true story. I'm Thurgood Marshall. I only represent people accused because of race. Before he became the first African-American Supreme Court justice. Did you do what they said you did? He attacked me. I never touched that woman. Thurgood Marshall was a man on a mission. The only way to get through a bigot's door is to break it down. Critics rave. Marshall is outstanding. Four stars. One of the best movies of the year. Marshall. Rate PG-13. In theaters October 13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome, movie fans, to the Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie, where we are made in America. And tonight, we are going to be talking about American Made, so stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Uh, why? Hello, movie fans. How are you? This is Dimitri. At DMovies1701, you can support me on Twitter, and yes, as we opened up, we're going to be talking American Made, along with my Made in America co-host, Marissa (laughs) Sarfini. Actually, it was not Made in America, but hello, everyone, yes. Get into the Hello. spirit of things. I'm back. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and she wanted to open up with. I was like, the song. I literally, as the intro is rolling, I was like, we should have played America from West Side Story. Yeah, because I think that would have applied sure, very well. Sure, absolutely. Song. It just came. To me. It just cracked me up. Shoot, it came out of nowhere. Missed opportunity. Maybe we can end on that. Song. No, it's not in the movie. That. We can't. We're, we're not talking West Side matter. Story. Yeah, it matters. <laughs> it matters. Damn it. <laughs> So, folks, yes, we are talking about Tom Cruise's uh, latest opus, uh, his 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 pairing uh, again with director Doug Liman mm-hmm. uh, after Edge of Tomorrow, Great and uh, and I gotta say that these two uh, seem to work very well. They're simpatico, is a good way to put it. Uh, so as we start off every uh, every segment of Anatomy of a Movie, we always talk opinion. Uh, and again, folks, we are very spoiler rich. So spoiler alert, if you're watching along, please feel free to comment. Uh, we'll try our best to maybe even shout you out. And uh, so watch along with us and uh, hopefully you feel the same way. Or if there's something you want to bring up and talk about American Made, we would love to try to broach your subject. So uh, why don't we start off with opinion? Marissa, when... Uh, this wasn't a bad like film. I, I overall enjoyed it. It got repetitive <clears throat> at a lot of moments because I can't count how many times he was flying back and forth and how many different aviation vehicles he had to fly, which is pretty cool. And it's, it's always nice to see Tom Cruise doing his thing. And I felt it was very like, oh, man, this is just a, an older version of Maverick, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> and But I enjoyed it, because everyone loved Maverick, and we know Tom Cruise has that charisma and personality to like be a likable guy who could pull something off such as this. And I thought it was actually very believable, knowing that's based on a true story, mm-hmm. um, based on a real person, uh, that I, I appreciated that... Um, I'm not, admittedly, I wasn't really alive in the 80s, so it wasn't, I'm not fully aware of all the life events that he was actually tied to. Uh Like, I know what they are, but I didn't realize, like, how deep his involvement is with everything, and I thought that was actually a pretty interesting um, aspect Uh of these stories and historical events that happened in the country that I didn't know of. Sure. Yeah, I mean, for a based on a true story movie to me this is where the truth to me was far crazier than the movie's fiction um you know and 
Tom Cruise, as you said, is back. Uh, he's back in the pilot seat. Uh, not necessarily for me. It wasn't necessarily as Maverick, but as a mule. He was a drug mule. He was a mule for the U.S. government. He was a, he was a mule for the cartels. <laughs> and he was a mule for the Contras. Yeah. He was a transportation. He was a mule. And, um, you know, it embellishes certain plot points, as so often these movies do. We've we talked a lot about these movies, right? And And how they'll change various certain things. And we're going to get into truth versus fiction. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it really captured the socio-political mayhem of the 80s. And I thought that the screenwriter, Gary Spinelli, he brought this Sunset Boulevard narrative approach, and it worked well, uh, I think, in this vehicle. And director Doug Lyman uh, showcases all of the bedlam going on, but yet he... Has- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline has the task of showcasing Bedlam, but keep, he kept the movie grounded where you can believe, you know, you're able to believe this is actually what's going on. Right. And I really like that. And Tom Cruise, I thought this was one of his best performances in years, maybe since Edge of Tomorrow. Far better than The Mummy. Far you, better than The Mummy. As you brought up I said that before. Yeah. You know, and then again, we've talked about this gentleman many a times. Don Hall Gleason. Yet another fresh performance from this guy. And, you know, he's the CIA operative. uh, 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 He's like the car salesman with a don't F with me attitude. And he's able to make being drafted into indentured servitude as if it was a choice, not a command. I mean, he was his charisma matched Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. You're going up against Tom Cruise. Um, Sarah Wright as Barry's wife. Um, she plays her part with a veiled ignorance. And I thought she was really good. We'll go into mm, more of her. thoughts about that. Um, you know, uh, let's, you know, it, she's along for the trip. And she stands by her man, whether on the ground or in zero G. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, listen. To me, don't let American Maid's entertaining romp fool you. Uh, I really was very surprised as to these events that are detailed in the movie. Uh, I did grow up in the 80s. I know of the Iran-Contra affair and Oliver North, but I didn't know this part of the story. Exactly. And this part of the story was, it's a linchpin. It started it all. This one man started it all. That, to me, I found to be, when I walked out, I was like, okay, I learned something, and holy cow, who knew this one guy? Um, so he was it, a catalyst for he it. He was a, a catalyst is a great word. You know, so Barry Seal, but the other thing we'll talk about, too, is Barry Seal, he was not only American-made, he was American-played. And we'll talk about, you know, various, how they talk about the movie and about Barry Seal was he a willing was he really a willing participant or was he sort of kind of 
you got no choice, boy. <laughs> You're yeah. going to do this. In the movie or so, in real life. Right. So um, why don't we start talking uh, a little bit about the production? Because it is a, uh, I found it to be a very fascinating road to the silver screen. Yeah, I mean, it's based on the real Barry Seal, who mm -hmm. I had no idea who he is and his involvement. And uh, he was actually, so the real Barry Seal was, he was an action junkie. He loved the adrenaline. But at such a young age, at 15, he always had this, like, knack for aviation. And he started, um, you know, piloting uh, airplanes and stuff. And he actually got his license. He was so good, he got his pilot's license at 16. And then there was actually a moment where uh, his teacher let him fly a plane all by himself just within, like, 90 minutes. He was that good. Yeah. He was, like, so, crazy. so naturally gifted when it came to flying. And, uh, you know, he just grew up um, flying all these, you know, bus transportation vehicles in the sky. And he eventually landed. He, he was the youngest TWA pilot. Pilot, yeah. He was that good. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is crazy. And so apparently a lot of this began in 2012. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. My math, five years? Right, 2017, right? Yeah, five, five years. years. Okay. <laughs> Didn't even need my hands to do You're that. You're asking an so. art major to do math. <laughs> Not a good idea. So um, the writer Gary Spinelli was talking to a producer, Doug Davidson, at Quadrant Pictures. And he was doing a pitch meeting. And nothing was really sticking, according to Doug Davidson. Um, and just as Spinelli was leaving, he mentioned one concept that he'd been trying to parse out. And apparently Spinelli was very influenced by the movie Argo. And um, another based on a true story right. CIA event. Um, really good movie. Good plane scene during that Great movie Great plane well. scene, yep. And he was like, wow, what if I could do an Argo-esque kind of a, a story that nobody knows, but equally as entertaining and thrilling? And he had come across Barry Seal, and that was pretty much it. Um, Doug Davidson said, wow, that sounds like a great story. Let's start working on that. And... Um, so that that was the genesis of this. Argo was the inspiration for this movie, which I think is pretty cool. So a writer was using his experience and love of movies to come right. up with something else. So Spinelli was fascinated by the fact that Seal's life in the late 70s and early to mid-80s, he got away with illegal exploits for like years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like years when you think about it. And just living warming the, up, you know. Living the high hog. Another movie, which I don't think you'll be surprised that was an inspiration to Spinelli, when you think about he's been getting away with these illegal activities, it's Goodfellas. And he was on the hunt to find a version that, when he found American Made, he thought that that was a little hidden piece of history, and true. Mm -hmm. I mean, such a hidden piece of history. You know, again, growing up during that time, Marissa, I paid attention to the movie, news, but I was paying more attention to movies, but you knew what was going on with Iran-Contra, yeah. and I knew the surrounding players, but I never once can recall ever hearing about Barry Seal. So this was a hidden piece of fascinating history. So, um, you know, he got into how intricately Seal was involved in the government, double dealings with Colombians um, and, the, and, the, and the cartels, 
And he had an inordinate role in a scandal that shadowed Ronald Reagan's eight years in office. One man. That, that to me, listen, if you're a history buff, you may already know that. But if you're not a history buff, this is a really cool movie because it's entertaining. But you realize, holy crap, all this happened because of this? <laughs> so Right. And, and, like, this man was involved in a lot of things. <clears throat> I've read a good article. Um, sorry, I, no, d- I don't remember, like, who, so I can't give proper credit to. Yeah. But um, someone compared this movie to, or they compared Barry Seal in this film as uh, the Forrest Gump, the the person who, <laughs> who the person who like interacted with so many famous people and was a par- involved in so many famous events, but you don't really know who he is. And I feel like Barry. Right. That I think that was a great metaphor for Barry Seal because he is that person in this movie. Yeah, he well, yeah, his story intersected with so many with things so many influential people. And speaking of intersection too, so when it comes time. They're setting it up. Who do we pick um, in connection? So they Doug Lyman, who is in his own right a really good director, but he too has a special connection to the story. He didn't know Barry Seal, but his father prosecuted mm-hmm. Oliver North, was on that team, which to me is like crazy. So when he started research, he goes, wait a minute, I know this. When he was looking... This is Iran-Contra. It's like, oh, I, I have to do the movie. And obviously he and Tom Cruise, who got along really well together on Edge of Tomorrow, they'd been looking for another project to do, and both of them agreed. And they were like, in. They said, yeah, Done. this is going to be, this should be great. And Doug Lyman, who refers to the film as, catch this, a fun lie based on a true story. <laughs> I love that. A fun lie based on a true story. And it's a good description for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Doug Lyman's father, Arthur Lyman, was the chief counsel for the Senate investigation into the Iran Contra affair and had actually questioned Oliver North during the hearings. Mm-hmm. That would have been funny if he had used, at the end of the movie, you saw that they showed clips of Oliver North being questioned if that was his dad questioning yeah you know as an homage so to speak so um i thought that that was really cool and they got involved and they sort of kind of changed the script around where they made it instead of it looking more like a documentary they made it look look more like a movie and they threw in all these well the flying stuff as you talk about they made it in the framing device, which I said it was very Sunset Boulevard-ish because you, the movie is being narrated by essentially a dead man at this point, yeah. albeit through videotape, he's a dead man. And I just found that to be a really cool device that it's not done so often where it's cliche, but if you recognize it, you go... Well played. That was I thought it yeah. was very. You well don't done. realize the narration is is <clears throat> told through a secondary source, right? Compared to the actual real person, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I thought that that was uh, I thought that that was really uh, well done. And then they built up some of the mayhem that was going on around that. Uh, of course, Tom Cruise had had his pilot's license. Yeah, he's so. A pilot. And uh, and he did all of his acts, his, his flying. own flying in this in, film. Okay, catch this, including flying that size plane to Colombia. Oh, we have some we have some people uh, who are commenting. I can't can um, yo. You don't have your laptop today, 
and my glasses aren't that good. Um, we will get to you, I promise, uh, because it's. I just Jonas love Tiger the says it's nice to have two Tom Cruise movies in one year. It's a very rare thing. It, well, yeah. yeah, he works a lot. You know, yeah. I mean, he'll take some time off. He has like the one big movie every year, right? And that's about it. So, yeah. It's you know it's good to see Tom Cruise, uh, and we'll talk about his performance. So stick around. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about his flying because apparently they really didn't give a like a timeline. It takes from where he was flying from. It takes about ten hours to fly to Colombia. Okay, and this guy Barry Sears was doing it with no fuel stops. Doug Lyman, Tom Cruise took the same routes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doug Lyman said, uh, no, I flew Delta. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah, like, nope. <laughs> no, you have at it, Tom. <laughs> and like, Tom is, you. like, being being the crazy method actor, he would be, like, he, he would take those exact same routes on how yeah. Barry Seal actually did, going yeah. around all the necessary places and ports and checkpoints. And And let's touch a little bit upon his performance, because when he was in the air... I got the sense that he was actually having fun. I got the sense he was actually flying. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, I got like, that yep. too. <laughs> but I had a sense that he was like having a good time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that to me, we talk about this all the time. Like, you can sense when people are enjoying what they're doing. Sometimes it can hinder a movie because they're having so much fun that they forget to make a good movie. But when they make a good movie, that really comes through. And I really did get the sense that from a collaborative effort that everybody was enjoying to be on set. They enjoyed showing up to work. They enjoyed playing their part. Mm-hmm. So much so that did you know that Spinelli and Cruz, uh, Spinelli, yep. Cruz, and Lyman, <laughs> Spinelli lives. They were roommates yeah. for a short minute. <laughs> he, he, so Spinelli man, shared a house with them while the production was on location in Georgia. Um, they had... Spinelli drew up like a chore chart because I believe it was his house that he said, "Come on Good. over." And here's a chore chart. <laughs> like to you may be Tom Cruise, but you still have to do your part. Yeah, I, I just think him. that's Shoot. I think that's great. And when you talk about camaraderie, that's when you can tell too where all the pieces of that puzzle are coming together. And I think creatively, it comes out and it shows. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I can't read anything. Um, Else uh, sticking, yes, sticking around. Well, thanks. So, so Jonas, obviously, you are a Tom Cruise fan. If you look forward to two movies of his a year, um, so what did you think of the Mummy, though? Right, because this is definitely, to me, this shows American Made shows that Tom Cruise is an actor. He can act, and it wasn't his typical cocky kind of. Um, it wasn't just all charm and charisma in Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt. Right. I felt that this was more of, yeah, he was a risk taker, but I believed him in this. I believed that he could get the job done. And uh, one of my favorite scenes is when he's at the cartel and he needs to, he's doing the math calculations about taking off and he's checking out the plane and there's that... <laughs> the, the, big, the big guy in the, the plane. The overweight man. <laughs> and he's like the hell is he doing here oh he's security he goes i either fly him or I fly the drugs which one is it and yeah, uh you like see the, what? the product <laughs> that was a good scene right that was a great moment and it's believable because tom cruise too is able to pull that off i feel so bad for the guy when he was just like walking <laughs> away i'm like oh 
Um, but I did like that because I think that was like a big uh, key moment that showed like the just who they're now dealing with. That he is serious. He'll do the work. Yeah. But he has to set his own terms and standards. Yeah, and you know he goes on. Cruz himself says, "I don't make a movie just to make a movie." Um, what interests me is the passion of cinema and storytelling. And that's when it gets exciting. And it's not just a job. And for him to have so many years at this and doing this, and he's crossed paths with Scorsese, Paul Newman, mm-hmm. um, who got him into driving. Uh, he's worked with Tony Scott. He's worked with some amazing, he's worked with Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, he's had this amazing career. He's had some major hits. He's had some misses. But um, Mano Manischewitz, the longevity this guy has had, is is quite a testament. And, and people, I think, still like him. Like Jason Tiger. Um, well, not the biggest Cruise fan. Jonas Tiger. Tiger, <laughs> I, I apologize. I, I can't, I'm having a hard time seeing there's a glare. It's okay. um, Cruise fan, but I do look forward to his movies. And I think that's of a lot of people. I think a lot of people enjoy his presence on screen, particularly if he's a Jack Reacher or if he's Ethan Hunt or if he's Barry. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people enjoy, like, what are your thoughts on his performance in this movie? I thought Tom is great. Um, like I said earlier, I felt like this was a very, he did a very believable portrayal of sure. this guy who <clears throat> is put in all these situations, but still being the gringo that delivers. Right. <laughs> um, but watching it, there were moments where I was like, Tom Cruise is just now just having fun. Like yeah. the there was really no creative or um, you know it, it was really there was like no restrictions or limitations on him mm-hmm. as a person and it got to the point where he wasn't acting he was just being himself yeah. and it did actually take me out of the film I was like Tom's just doing this now they're just letting him do whatever the hell he wants you think huh yeah okay because I not that it was that bad up. but. There were just moments I was like, "This is I'm watching Tom Cruise. I'm right. not watching Barry Seal." Well, I wanted to ask because I wanted to ask this into our audience as well because Tom Cruise, particularly the Mummy, and we talked about it on our panel for the Mummy, he gets accused a lot of taking over a production, cruise control, cruise control, right? And I'm not saying that he didn't do it in this movie, but to me, in this movie, it seemed less evident. Like, he yeah. gave his other supporting cast the limelight, and he didn't take away from it. And unlike, say, The Mummy, which I think the, the arguments could be valid to an extent, um, I didn't, it wasn't as evident in American Made. Yeah, and also the thing about Mummy, that's a part of the universe. We know there's going to be following movies for that. And it's also based on, like... A story. It's an adaptation which has been translated in so many different ways and shown in so many different times that has more creative liberties to that type of thing. So you can understand why Tom Cruise would be more creative and change a lot of things for The Mummy. Compared to this when it's just about a person in real life events that you like that happened not that long ago. No. No. In in America's eyes, like there are things that you're going to have to be accurately historically accurate. Sure. And you can't do those creative liberties. Yeah, they changed some aspects of this film, but they didn't change the outcome of what happened. And no, like and you, and you can't. And we're going to talk about one of those characters that was made up for this movie. But before we get into his role, um, let's talk a little bit about um, Sarah. 
Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Wright, Wright, who is Lucy Seal, the wife. Yeah. Um, now, she was when she was hired. Sarah, she was. She it was told that um, it was said that she's completely inhabited the role. She was funny, warm, genuine, uh, and she got along together with Tom Cruise very well. Um, you know, Doug Liman was instantly impressed by her spirit, and uh, I get that. Here is my thing, and I'm not disparaging her. For some reason throughout the entire movie, I could not get Alice Eve out of my head. Mm-hmm. Alice Eve from like Star Trek into Darkness. Um, they look, to me anyways, they looked extremely similar. Um, I don't know, Anthony, uh, Anthony's uh, on the boards. I don't know if you can find a picture of Alice Eve, but I couldn't get her out of my head. Okay. And I'm like, did you try to get Alice Eve and you couldn't do it, so here's where we go with? Or I just, is that Alice Eve? No, it's not Alice Eve, because it wasn't until after I was paying attention to the credits. Mm. I thought Sarah did a good job, and she has to be, uh, she has to be Barry's wife. So she can't, if you don't have a good actress, that actress just, like, gets shrouded under the personality that is Barry. Um, I thought she did an okay job in standing up to him, particularly when they made that move. Um, But again, I just couldn't get Alice Eve out of my head. What did you think of uh, of Sarah? I mean, I I liked Sarah, right? I think she was good. Uh, I liked the fact that she was the, the loyal wife and who was put in all these situations but i was also very bothered just by this portrayal of this relationship what was it what was it that that well i i always have the problem of hollywood and the age difference when you're matching Mm. up a relationship and i've said it multiple times multiple times where i mean we have tom cruise 55 we have sarah Wright, who's 34 there's a there's a 20 year age difference it's visibly uh, uh, obvious on I will give you that. the movie. And I'm like, oh, great. Sarah, she's great. She's a good actress. She was very strong. I like the role. I like the person that she played. There's nothing wrong with Sarah. It's just the fact of what is happening is that it's another age difference of pairing. It's like you couldn't find another strong actor, or another strong actress to pair against Tom Cruise who might be more believable as a wife who's going through this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, I get your Why point. Why the twenty-year difference again? Well, again, again with I, I, my only, my only thing to that would be the character of Barry Seal would seem to go for a younger woman. Like I'm not, I'm not, and we're gonna go into the fact and fiction of this. That's the only thing that I can. That's the only rationale that I can have because I do agree with you. It was visible. Like it was so age, visible. Vis, the, like, the age difference is, is <clears throat> it, it was so obvious it bothered me. It was it was obvious. And I you said she's thirty four? She's thirty four in real life. Yeah, and I would have pegged her to be twenty eight. Exactly. She looks younger. Exactly. She and I think younger. that's that's also the bigger issue. It's like she looks thirty years younger than Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like yeah, she and I, I looked up her age, she, she is, you know. I mean, and there are real life relationships with people like and I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does happen all the F and time. Is that <laughs> sorry, I'm getting really passionate about this. But like the she the is. age difference, this is always a recurring issue with me personally. Watching age differences where we could have picked another stronger actress right. to be paired up with Tom Cruise. That'd be more believable. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that uh, 100%. I, I really don't. I think it's a valid point. I'm surprised that she's 34. 
I mean, good for her for appearing younger, but in this movie, it was it was very very visible, and I thought that they were purposely going for the younger for the younger woman, and that's why I don't know. Um, I, I I guess Anthony wasn't able to find a picture of Alice Eve, who I you know is a very strong actress, but they look so similar to me that I was like, holy cow! But Alice Eve doesn't look that young like this girl is young i i have a challenge i have yeah what's the challenge to this will be throwing this out to this 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 will be to anthony to you um so we actually have to take a quick commercial break because we have to tell our fun fans about a great new movie that's coming out but while that's playing anthony can find this picture of alice that's a great that's a great thing so we have we have we have an actual spot Yes. We have a yes. spot. We're, we're going to tell you good things about this new upcoming movie that you need to know. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's yeah. do it. Somebody's paying commercials for us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. That's a great picture. I can't hear anything. Are we on? <laughs> Go to the slate. <laughs> Go to slate. I think I know what the movie might be. Yes. So are we are we talking about Marshall? Marshall. Marshall. Yes. Yeah. Good. We just talked to Chadwick Boseman. Boseman. Yeah, and wait, so he's got like a yeah. bazillion a cast of characters. He's an amazing. Actor. The the reviews Shoot. on the movie have been phenomenal. Um, about the first African American uh, uh, lawyer. I forget what case. Thor. It's he's Thorogood Marshall. Thorogood Marshall. And. <laughs> Who, like, if you guys don't know who Thurgood Marshall is, he was an amazing um, lawyer who dealt with a lot of civil rights cases. Um, um, like, from the 60s to the 80s, he was very, um, like, pr- prevalent in, in the lawyers. And they called him Mr. Civil Rights because he worked on, like, 30-plus cases that helped deal with civil rights movements and right. helped progress America forward. And, and, folks, catch this cast. I mean, you guys are movie fans, so... Tell me if any of these names sound familiar to you. Maybe you've seen them. Uh, we said Chadwick Boseman. We said Josh Gad. Have you ever heard of him before? He's amazing. Uh, how about Kate Hudson? Do you she like her? Yeah. yeah. Sterling Kane Brown. Dan Stevens. You ever hear of him? How about how about James Cromwell? You ever heard I mean, of that guy before? How have before? we not seen this movie already? It yeah. sounds so good. So this has an amazing cast, and what is being said about it is that it could potentially be the first movie of 2017 that will actually have you stand up and cheer. I mean, who... In, look, I've said this many times before, folks. In today's days and times and everything going on, we need inspirational, feel-good movies. And Marshall is just the movie that could potentially do it. It's PG-13. And being that it is a based on a true story, it's a biopic that's very entertaining you shouldn't be afraid to take your kids to it because they'll come away. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll be better kids. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I would and, hope so. And yeah. maybe they'll have an appreciation for these kind of movies too. And I, all, I just think that we need movies to cheer for. We need to get away from our current everyday things that are happening political. Sure. And we need to be entertained for two hours. And if you can come out of a movie theater feeling good that to me is a win it's a win-win so go see marshall folks 
and you'll love it. You'll have a good time. And then, you know, you're going to talk to us about it. I mean, the trailer looks fantastic. I can't wait to see it. Maybe we will. Uh, hopefully, we, we can talk about it on Anatomy Maybe of the Maybe we'll talk so about go it. go check out Marshall. I'm and, for and in the meantime, I did see, uh, Anthony, you had an amazing picture up of Alice Eve. Yeah. Now, can you see uh, what yeah, I'm saying? How she sort of looks? She's for those who are turning into woman. iTunes, check out our YouTube. We have yeah. a picture pulled up for her. Yeah, they do look she's alike. a very beautiful woman. She played okay. Dr. Carol Marcus in Into Darkness. Okay. So uh, she's a really good actress, but uh, I don't want to take away from Sarah. But your points are extremely fair points, I think, all across the board. I felt similar. She's mm-hmm. really young. I didn't think she was 34. I thought yeah. she was 20. It, I didn't know she was in her I'd 30s. have to, like, I would say she looks my age. And I'm young. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say, like, I'm, I'm young, but I'm not Girl. young, young. I'm, like, I'm younger. But you're mature. Thank you. You're wiser than your years. <laughs> Thank you. We'll say that. But it, it's, it was just, like, such a visual problem for me. Yeah. I couldn't enjoy it. Understood. And it's not fair to the actress or just the story in itself. Because we know the real Barry Seal was married three, three different times. times. Yeah, three times. But it was just... I saw it as in just another Hollywood problem that's still going on with right. this mismatch of age difference. Right. No, I I, uh, I understand. And, and I get it. I mean, I saw it too. She at least had the chops to stand up to Cruz and not get buried by his charisma and Barry Seal's energy. Mm-hmm. I will give her that. And that she did a really good job. So let's move on to the other gentleman that we talked about, uh, uh, Domino Gleason. Domino okay? Gleason. Again, I've talked about, we've talked about him here. I've said he's a chameleon. He is an actor's actor. Mm -hmm. He can do comedy. He can do romantic comedy. He can do drama. He can be a villain. He can be likable. He can be hateable. Uh, In this movie, I thought he was fantastic. And since we're talking about this being a based on a true story movie, the interesting thing about his character was his character was made for the movie. It was created. It's, he, he Monty Schaefer. Right, Monty Schaefer. And I didn't mind because on all accounts, it, it's not necessarily clear who recruited Barry, Seer, uh, Barry Sears, uh, <laughs> Barry Seal into the organization. Into the CIA. So yes. they obviously, I think for, for, for storytelling purposes, you know, he's a gentleman that... Um, a, he's fictitious, but he didn't affect the outcome of the movie. We know that Barry Seal was recruited or brought into the service to do to fly and get pictures. We know all that. You just need a central character, you know, because it, we don't. They still don't. Exa- it's, it's sort of unclear as to who exactly it was. Mm-hmm. His role, I felt was fantastic i just i loved him in the trailers like there's that scene when he was up top he goes we're expanding barry (laughs) like he was so good but at the same time when he's like all right barry we're gonna have you do all right aside from pictures you're gonna need to pick and he's like do i get a raise it's like and he just looked at him and goes okay barry so (laughs) this is what we're gonna do um you didn't want to mess with him yeah. Even though he had... Like, don't push him. Right. He's, he's already given you a lot. Don't test the limits. Yeah. So, um, that 
that to me, because he had the charm and charisma of a car salesman. Mm-hmm. And once the deal's done, baby, deal's done. It's done. You know? You um, but he had this great charisma. And to me, he's, all, he's like a chameleon. And I just love watching this guy perform. In fact, I'd like to see him perform against Tom Cruise because I think they were really well. You're talking about two very uber charismatic guys on screen. And I think a pairing of these two again, uh, I think it would be very would, beneficial to a movie. Would be great. And you like you always liked Schaefer. <clears throat> he was a very likable guy. Um, and also a very believable guy. And Absolutely. I feel with someone like Tom Cruise, who's just such a big personality on screen, you have to get someone who can also equally match that. Right. And I think Domino did an amazing job of standing toe-to-toe with mm-hmm. him when absolutely necessary. Absolutely. But also there were moments, you don't, again, don't test him. And exactly. And you need a strong presence like that to believe that they can do that to an actor like Tom Cruise. And I think it's to Tom Cruise's testament to act like, oh, okay, boss. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever you say. Um, so... That's why I really thought that that pairing worked very well. I thought the casting in this movie for that part, he was fantastic. And particularly for a made-up role, which he really just jumped in. And he's just great. Every time I see this guy, he's so fun to watch. And this mm-hmm. movie, you know, just made me even more of a fan. So, um, I so, love Domino. Yeah, he's fantastic. Like every anatomy that we've covered that has Domino in it, I always say I love Can you, uh, I was trying to think of what was the, uh, it was the pretty good time travel. About time. Pr- about time. Boom. It was such a good movie. He's such and, a good and movie. And we, it's, it's on anatomy of a movie, but love he was so movie. good and, and so likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing too. And he's uh, Hux in the Star Wars movie, so we'll be yeah. seeing him. So hateable in that again. movie too. <laughs> And he was just in. Well, he was he just was in, in Mother. He was in Mother. Um, he was in. Yeah, he was in that <laughs> movie. That one. And uh, yeah, he's just. He's. 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 Uh, it's. It's great. And he works. He's a working actor. Yeah. And he seems to enjoy his craft, and he does very well at it. So uh, yeah, I can't really point a finger to he say. That's a very talented sucked. family. Yeah. Well, Shoot. he does. I mean, he, <laughs> he has does. a talented father, and his brothers are. And is also an actor. That's just like a talented family. So um, let's talk a little bit about the actual production of the movie. Okay. Um, so American made cast and crew of about 300 plus descend on ball ground for five weeks of their shooting schedule. Um, this small community of 1900 residents <laughs> is found in Cherokee my t- country. My town is smaller. Um, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains as its unforgettable b- backdrop. The production shot in downtown Ball Ground, the Cherokee County Airport, which was also um, which was also nearby. Uh, yeah, a lot of this was done. They turned Georgia into Mina, circa 1981, and that to me, again, we talk about the collaborative process of movies and what it takes. Movie magic. I I believed everything that they were telling me you know showing me i believed it was late 70s early 80s i'll tell you the one part that i just couldn't stop laughing at is when um sarah lucy's brother the idiot oh, brother jd yeah and he shows oh, up i wanted and to slap him me too 
I wanted to punch him more, so. But he showed up in a gremlin car. That was like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> like, that that just made me laugh. Because um, that, that is a perfect attention. The only thing that might have made me laugh a, as much is if he showed up in a pacer. <laughs> which, the all-glass back trunk. Um, so, you know, the production worked with the city officials, as they always do, and came up with a plan to change their quaint main street from semi-modern to retro. And it took five months from the initial phone call to the city officials to the first day of shooting. Um, so the locals catch this sold T-shirts that said, Cruising into ball ground and ball ground, the movie capital of the world. These are stories, too, that I love because not in every major town. Like we're we're in Southern California. Mm-hmm. We not that not that we're tainted or but we see movies being shot on streets as we drive. And we're to the point where it's still cool. But on the other hand, it's like you're fucking up my traffic. It's like I I gotta get home. <laughs> it's like this is this is causing major traffic jam. When 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 a film production comes into a small town, they get it. When it's a Tom Cruise movie, they get it. And I think also it's a testament to Tom Cruise because he could have shut that down. Selling cruising in the ball like he could have yeah, been like, a no. jerk. It's like guys, but he wasn't. I really like that that town really got behind this. And that's that's a that's a nice human interest story that you don't always hear about, you know. So um, it's not every day where like small towns like this would get a Tom Cruise movie. Exactly. I mean, it puts them on the map. Yeah. And I I like the stories of communities coming together for something artistic in that way. Absolutely. And they're and they're and they're having a good time doing it. And I'm sure the money went to the community for those shirts, and that's that's like so cool. you know, they had to give the streets an older look. So there was sand was spread in the sidewalks. Modern landscaping and signage was removed to replace with period fare. And they had to construct a ton of banks. <laughs> like <laughs> facades. Because this is where uh, Barry was this That small town every... <laughs> Uh, you know, when every time he drove down the, the main street, quote, yeah. unquote, I'm like, that's, it reminded me of my hometown. Cause my, Did it really? My hometown's like that. We have a bank. We have, like, all the small little mom-and-pop businesses yeah. that you need in a small town. Yeah, that, and that's funny. And you know what the biggest challenge for the production people were? The, their biggest challenge was... Um, Making an addition to the downtown area, uh, they had to get 26 payphones <laughs> <laughs> installed for scenes where Seal makes and receives his phone calls. And that to me is like so funny because the As production searched <laughs> far and wide for these, catch this, vintage beauties. <laughs> um, and it took quite a while to find ones in nearly pristine condition to use. And because they're a, not around anymore. You know, I remember using payphones. Was it that long ago? <laughs> I remember using but, pay phones. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? yeah I just find I'm young, but I'm not that young. <laughs> I just think that that, that that was one of their biggest challenges was putting up 26 pay phones <laughs> in the countries, in that little town. So, uh, And then they shot at the Cherokee Airport. That was a shooting destination. So, um, yeah, they were using actual hangars, uh, the planes. Um, yeah, they did... Everything from 
you know, you saw a Miss Pac-Man machine to a Rubik's Cube. You know, oh, I love yeah, all this. The Rubik's Cube. I love all this eighties yeah, nostalgia coming into movies. Uh, you know, it was done in It. I know you didn't see It, but we we talked about that because the first part of that movie takes place in the eighties. So, um, the Cherokee Airport too, also double for. Uh, the last Brazil's airport tarmac in Managua, Nicaragua. So mm. that was actually Cherokee. So they yeah, redressed it. Yeah, they just redressed it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I didn't know the wiser. No, know. but that's cool. That's <clears throat> that's movie magic. I mean, that's what we yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> and that's really cool. Um, you know, they, they took a fine foods in Decatur, uh, which became the interior for the Waffle House. Has anybody eaten at a Waffle House before? Have you eaten at a yeah, Waffle of House before? I, have. I well, come not, from like areas like that, but they're not around here. No. So I had to, literally my I've traveled this fine country for various jobs. So that's <laughs> how I got to eat at a Waffle House. It's a Waffle House. No, they're great. Yeah, I love Waffle yeah. Houses. Not we need coffee. them out here in LA. <laughs> I would say not that and Cracker Barrels. I love Cracker <laughs> Barrels too. Yeah. So. Um, I come from the country, you guys. For like, for anyone who don't know, I grew up in country esque Illinois, literally yeah. from the country. So you understand what it takes when it, when they oh, when yeah, a absolutely. film production thing comes in. So Cherokee is basically my hometown. Um, the uh, hometown at the Atlanta airport for a select few flying scenes, a flight sim- sim- simulator, a flight simulator, simulator, simulator. Um, uh, at the Delta Flight Museum was used. Um, and it's the only simulator open to the public in the U.S., and many pilots head from flying in these simulators to, to piloting. And so the Yeah, int- and Tom and Doug Lyman would yeah. use the simulator, uh-huh. you know, just to have fun and practice, which I thought was an, a neat bonding experience between the both of them. Yeah, and, and uh, they did stage work, obviously, uh, in Norcross at the Atlanta Media Complex, Um some renovated seal home interior scenes, including a Christmas morning scene with the family. Um, uh, then they had, um, you know, that was shot at a home on Rembrandt Street in Buckhead, neighborhood of Atlanta, where Lyman, Cruz, and Spinelli shared their own location hotel, our home, actually, which is pretty cool. So I like the use of these small local places filmed in Atlanta. Um, a lot of things are filming in Atlanta because of the tax Taxes, break. Taxes, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it makes sense. Great for them. Of course. And if, you know, you re- we're, we're talking Hollywood magic. You redress it. I didn't even know that they were using that for Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's um, pretty cool. Let's see. Um, I love, oh, I love waffles with whipped cream and strawberry jam. Is that from Waffle House? Yes, Waffle House. <laughs> That's great. It's our he's our biggest fan <laughs> online with us right now. Um, yeah, I like. Anything. I'm hungry for like IHOP, but I know, we I, I completely digress. Yeah. So um, now catch this. Now in this little suburb of Atlanta, Mr. Gleason himself would venture in. He went to the vintage shops. <laughs> there and that's where he found his blue blazer the blue blazer oh, that yeah. he wears in the movie he actually found he found it in a vintage shop and said hey he got it he got it approved by the costume department there you so, go. it works <laughs> he gave to the community he did you got to respect that yeah he did <laughs> so uh I, I love that so um Trying to think where else we well we can talk about we we should talk a little bit too about the automobiles and planes. Well, we talked about the Gremlin, um, but I want to talk about 
some of the aircraft. So Lyman and Cruz felt strongly about the airplanes that they were going to use in this movie. Being that Tom did all his flying in the movie, he even flew one of the airplanes to Columbia himself. And they're not big. The ones that he was flying, they're not big commercial planes. Um, they're not meant for grand like flying. Um, and yet, this kind of flying, that's a 10-hour flight in a teeny little plane. And Barry himself actually brought extra fuel and would fuel mid-air. And it said right here, Tom made some fuel stops. But Lyman, just like I said earlier, he just took Delta. Ten hours, that's a long... That think a about long the cockpit. The yeah. In, in that... That's like going to Europe and then some. <laughs> I have a hard time driving to Vegas. And that's I a four-hour drive. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Frederick North, he was the aerial coordinator. Um, he's been in like more than 100 films. And he says, this is a relatively new experience. He had the lead actor who had the skill set to actually fly. And Tom was well aware that, that Barry flew low. And he was ready to accept that challenge because there were many times, right? Whether you're, it's it's less. Later, it takes less fuel to fly low for a long. You can be in the air longer. Right. And there was. I really enjoyed that scene where they were out flying the right. actual government. Yeah, and they would slow down, mm-hmm. right? But I want to talk about the one flying scene that didn't happen. That actually was a scene for me while entertaining. It, it's sort of like, I was like, okay, nah, I don't think that really happened. Maybe in the 80s they could have gotten away with it, but I'm talking about the, air, the, 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 the airplane landing crash scene where he lands uh, right. a small scene in a neighborhood. In a residential in area. In a residential area. And it's entertaining. It's exciting. It's Hollywood. Um, it's Hollywood. And uh, it was funny he gets out because... The like the coke that he was transporting explodes on him, so he comes out all white, and <laughs> he crashes into a tree at a house, and he comes out and he's like, "Here's some, here's a lot of money for you. Here's for your sister. Oh, and this is for your bike. And oh, you never saw me." And he rides off on the small kid's bike. But then I was thinking again, being in Southern California, we've had uh, fictional pilots who are supposed to be star pilots. Like, you know, Han Solo, mm-hmm. Harrison Ford, who is a pilot, who's crashed his plane. And look how much news that made. <laughs> no investigation. Now, this made the news, but I'm like going, yeah, he just left like a ton of coke in that plane. Yeah. Like, that was the one scene where you sort of go, where's the investigation going on? And even though it made it into the local newspaper, because. Like, um, he would. I always felt in this movie, he was like never really. There, there wasn't a lot of jeopardy for him. Right. He just kept getting away with it. And I'm like, okay, <clears throat> is he that good that people just really weren't on his tail? I mean, there were moments where the government were, quote-unquote, trying to catch up with him. Right. But I'm like, how many times did he outmaneuver people? Yeah. It, yeah, he was like, he was flying like Maver- Maverick in a jet. Yeah. So I want to talk about that because you're right. He get he he initially gets his job because he is a good flyer. However, things that I've read about Barry is that he was a willing participant. 
because he was that cowboy. He loved that adrenaline rush. And he was like, oh, I get to work for the CIA. Now, the way I sort of kind of, the way the movie, at least the way I interpreted the movie as presented, I felt that he really wasn't being given much of a choice. It was either you do this or else. When, 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 when he was approached by CIA, they, 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 he, was, he was transporting, smuggling Cuban cigars. Mm-hmm. He was told they had a file on him. But we have a proposition for you. So I'm like, well, geez, that doesn't sound like that's a willing okay. That's like, do this. Or... It was more like blackmail. Sort of, right? I mean, did, I, did, you, did you look at that? Any other way? I, at first, I thought it was more like blackmail. It's like, you have to do this because we have dirt on you. Right. But then when he, they were rewarding him with money and planes and an airway, I'm like, how? Well, uh, what are the stakes against him now? Right. If they well, keep giving him stuff. And, and then I was thinking, yeah, they give him the, 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 the airstrip. Yeah. They gave him all the land, which they were going to use. And that they sort of kind of knew they were going to use. Then he gets involved with the cartels. And he basically, the way it's portrayed in the movie, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the way I saw it was he got caught. They caught him taking pictures. They said, you're Barry Seal. You're the guy that takes all the pictures of our territory. And he's like, what? He goes, yeah, well, we have a proposition for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to get our drugs from point A to point B. How do you say no to Pablo Escobar? Especially after they know you're flying and taking pictures of their land and right. territory. It's like you you traffic our drugs or you die. Right. So, again, willing participant or sort of kind of... I mean, okay. they're, they're like, I can understand why you're saying that, but there were literally in those moments where, like, you do this for us... We're still going to reward you. They're mm-hmm. like, we're going to give you Buku's amount of cash for every kilo that you right. you transfer, and that's why I'm like, okay, it's more just a a deal with personal benefits, yeah, and oh, therefore yeah. kind of took away the jeopardy of it. Yeah, until towards the end. Until the end. Um, but again, it's like you either will do this for us, you'll be paid handsomely for it. Or we kill you. Like, right. I mean, but throughout that... the movie, I was never actually worried about him. Like, worried about his well-being. Because he was so rich. He he was doing so well in everything he's doing. His family, he was happy. You know, I never really felt scared for his life until probably the last 20 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, they, they say as far as his riches go, it, it, nobody exactly knew. It could have been... Fifty million to over a billion dollars at any given time, of how much money. There was a montage where he was saying he's like, "I made eight million doing this. I made two something million doing this. I made millions. Yeah, he he made millions. millions. Yeah, he he ran out of he ran out of space in his backyard. Hey, (laughs) to to bury why are you digging the money? Um, That's what bank accounts are for. So that's what private accounts in the Cayman Islands are for. Yeah, and. I was just thinking, like, okay, so Pablo asked the cartel was asking him to do this, but he never told, he never told the government what he was doing. So he was, 
I mean, talk about the biggest double dipper. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't tell Monty going, hey, Monty, uh, I have this issue here. Like, I, I couldn't say no. He was kind of like a double agent. Sort of. You know, and yeah. then when it, <laughs> and then it was like, um, well, you're going to pick up some Contras. Oh, and we're borrowing some of your airfield here because mm-hmm. we're going to train these people. He's like, is that legal? He's like, do you have a problem with that? He's like, no, boss. Whatever you say, yeah, I'm not going to tip the apple it, cart. It, yeah, it'd be like <laughs> pot calling the kettle black when he's doing illegal things at the same time. It, the way that I sort of too saw the movie is that the government sort of kind of knew. I mean, when he got arrested, they bailed him out. They bailed him out. Right. And it was like, oh, well, and again, it was, well, Barry, you can spend the rest of your life here in this rundown jail in Columbia, or you can do this. You can and he's still like, work for us. I'll do that. Well, of course he would do that. Yeah. But, but that's also because he was just so good, they needed him. He was very Despite good. Despite what he True. was doing, he was he, just he that was extremely good. good. Yep. <clears throat> so, I just found that the, it's very interesting because in some, in reading press notes and everything, they made it appear as if he was really a willing participant. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like they just asked him and he just said yes. Mm-hmm. Where I just felt that the movie gave us sort of something a little bit different. That yeah, he did it willingly, but. There was a price. Like, if you don't do it, you're going to jail for smuggling Cuban cigars. If, if you don't do it, prison, you're going to prison. Or you die. Right. Like, from the government, it was like, you're, you do this for us, you're going to prison. Right. For the cartels, it's like, you do this for us or we'll kill you. Right. You know? So, yeah, that's, I guess, what I was getting at. So, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. It Obviously, he was an active participant. Um, he was thrilled to death. Because about- either way, he benefited in in both ways. All of the money. He yeah, because yeah. CIA was giving him all the necessary things to pull it off, such as runways right. and the planes. They were giving him the materials materials to do it, and then the cartels were giving him the money to keep doing it. Right. Absolutely. So he was benefiting I'm from just, everybody. Wait a minute. How, I'm just trying to read some of the comments. I grew up in on a Boston oh. critic. <laughs> Someone's calling me out for being a Boston Celtics fan. Hey. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> that's right. I will talk to you about Boston Celtics on Twitter. Not on this yes, show. <laughs> that's <laughs> really digress. funny. That's that's really funny. But that's funny that they. How <laughs> come attention. an Illinois lady is growing up and cheering on Boston Celtics? It's a long story, but I digress. I, I, I actually Back to think American it's funny me. that they're paying. You're paying attention. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of the camera work. Caesar uh, Charlone's uh, was the DP on this, right? And he made his movie magic using an Alexa XT and Alexa M cameras. And to him, the Alexa M had a tiny camera body and is tethered to the hardware of the gear by a 40-foot cable. And that allowed for the camera to have freedom of movement as in a documentary style that Lyman preferred for the tone of the story. And I totally got that style, but yet I never looked at the movie as a documentary. Does that make sense? At, at first, you know, because of the beginning of the movie, how they set it up, you're watching right. Cruz, you're watching Barry tell us a story via VHS tapes. Right. So you actually naturally get a film-style narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. But then as we actually watch him go about his day-to-day life, it becomes more of the, just a movie narrative <clears throat> right. compared to a documentary-style yeah. narrative. I, I thought it was a good style that Lyman 
uh, worked with. Because he's, he's a I got very over the, good guy. It took me a while to get over the shaky camera. Did it? Yeah, it did. Huh. I mean, maybe if, I mean, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't bother me. Didn't there were some parts that so it was very jarring. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned that in other movies <laughs> Yeah, before, I was like, too. this is not the yeah. first time I'm talking about that. So, but um, I want to talk, too, because the DP, he also, he could see his frame by wearing something called Zeiss Cinemizer old glasses that showed what the camera is seeing. Hmm. So he was able to, because he couldn't be with the camera. Talk about modern technology. Isn't that cool? That is. Um, so then during post-production, then the colorist had his job. They had to give a distinct look and feel to the different years the film covers from Barry in the beginning of his journey through his fully evolved life as a, <laughs> of a criminal <laughs> and the flying sequences and such. And so I just really thought that all of this is like, again, modern technology to make a movie look older, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is great. And I think Hollywood has come so far with their technology to be able to pull that off. Yeah, I know I've I said that, like, um, of Ouija Origin of Evil, where they actually put in real change dots on the digital film. Mm. But it doesn't take you out of a movie like this because you still feel that you're in the late 70s, early 80s. And I also think it's that, not that flashy, the right? color, um, oh my the color God, yeah. scheme of this movie definitely felt like, the 70s and 80s during that time. It was mm-hmm. very warm. Um, warmish color tints, especially when we were down in, quote-unquote, Columbia. Right. And and then when we were back in the hometown, like it, there was an 80s-style feel to right. the movie that you can see in other actual 80s films. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it they looks... got the look right. The aesthetics of it definitely set 80s. Right. And and um, the other cool thing about this movie is that it did travel a little bit. It was filmed here primarily in the States, but they did uh, some of the elements. They did um, film in Colombia uh, in August of uh, 2015. And they had to shoot all over the country on very remote airstrips. Uh, Colombia doubled for where the drug cartels airstrips were. It had such an amazing, varied terrain. Uh, events happened everywhere from Panama, Nicaragua to Costa Rica. We ended up traveling all around Colombia in an armada of, of small airplanes. So I think that that's pretty cool. Um, Lyman and Cruz catch this desire to teach as much filmmaking knowledge as possible to the hardworking Colombia crew, many of who lived, who lived in Bogota. So they imparted... So they took on so this. So even crew. when they were down there, they were imparting their wisdom and knowledge. Which I think they were these, still giving back to the community, just education. And, and these people were working on the film. And I, I just again, when I read this sort of thing, it's it's really cool that these people don't have this opportunity to work on on this type of a production, and there they are. Um, each of the American department heads embraced the opportunity to share their tools and craft with these people. And that's how you get more film enthusiasts from around the world, obviously. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. So, um, you know, uh, it's just really cool. So on August 24th, Cruz Lyman North and his aerial team flew the Aerostar to the Amazon basin of the country. Um, they camped overnight in the area. Now, apparently the production did not want them to go flying. They didn't want them to go there because of tigers they didn't want them to go to the jungle yeah and yeah they did just the the, the physical terrain was telling that to tom cruise is like that pretty much says 
Well, uh, let's do let's, it. Let's do it, Doug. <laughs> Doug's that sounds like, sure. awesome. That sounds great. I don't want you to climb that wall, Tom. Let's do it. I don't want you to hang off of the wing of Not that plane, Tom. Not only am I going to climb the wall, I'm going to pull the wall over it. You know, that's <laughs> what Tom Cruise would do. Yeah, I think... Uh, just if you don't want him to do something, just don't bring it up. <laughs> so, Tom, you should really do this. Nah, that like, wall's great, too high. <laughs> but, That's uh, a great idea. And they stayed overnight. Production much to, like, they must have been having a cow. <laughs> but good for them. Um, I really, uh, I- again, I-, I go for the realism. I go for, I definitely go for the camaraderie on the set and the collaboration that they were going through. Uh, I think they did a really good job in the way that this movie looked, sounded, um, and, and it gave me that feel that I was in the 70s, 80s. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Though maybe 84, American Made. So I was just trying to, again, read. Um, let's see. Oh, there we go. I'm just trying to see. Felt. Oh, there we go. <laughs> 80, 84 or 82 American Made? Like the year and what it looked like? Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I was in, I want to say high school, maybe. Uh, I don't want to date myself, but actually I should date myself. <laughs> It'd be the only dates that I could get. Boom. Anyways, so let's talk a little bit about, if we want to, let's talk a little bit fact and fiction of this movie. Because, again, we've sat here, we talked about many movies that were based on a true story. Uh, we had the director of The 33 on. We um, did. Just recently sure. we great. had, uh, I forget what movie we just recently did that was based Detroit. on. Detroit. Yeah, we were just talking about Detroit based on a true story. Um, and in all of these movies, you sort of have to take a grain of salt, folks, because they're not necessarily, it's not a documentary. Things have to be made up. And I usually don't mind that. It just depends on how it is. There was that Matthew McConaughey movie where it actually really pissed me off because they really sold that as this is as true as it gets. Uh-huh. Uh, remember the one we talked about it on this on this um, panel here. I just forget what it was. And they completely they made up a character who is not only a doctor but a love interest, and that character had impact on that person's life. And that character never existed. That bothered me. So mm. why don't we talk about we can talk about um, some of the fact and fiction of this movie. So he yes, really nice. was he really was a, a commercial pilot for TWA. Um, and he didn't leave as much as he actually was fired. Dallas Buyers Club. Yes, thank you. Dallas Buyers Club. Thank you yeah, very much. I have it queued up here on my IMDb Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know which one. It's not Mud. Thank you. <laughs> it's Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, and we did talk about Dunkirk, and that was another uh, mm-hmm. another true story that happened. We've done Christopher a lot of, Nolan. Like, yeah, we do. We try so to cover movies. it all. Um, so was he recruited while he worked for the CIA, for TWA? Yep, yep, pretty much. He was recruited. Um, but and, he was, go oh, ahead. Yeah, Please. also that um, there, there's been a lot of stories out there saying that because it is kind of historically inaccurate because Barry Seal was actually 10 years younger than what Tom Cruise is portraying him. So all this happened to a younger version, a younger person. Yeah, and all I can say is um, 
And by the ways, uh, I have a, all our links, all our information is online, so you can download it yourself, mm-hmm. and um, you can uh, see our our thoughts, our opinions, and our links. We include our links, and there's a great link that I'm using called uh, HistoryVerseHollywood.com. There you go. And that's where we have this, and it has a lot of that stuff. But here's my point to that: if you look at the real Barry Seal <laughs> compared to Tom Cruise, and you're a movie executive. You go with Tom Cruise. Yeah, like Tom Cruise. <laughs> but he, because yeah. Um, but also, they said uh, Barry Barry Seal in real life was, um, got overconfident and cocky to the point right. where he was actually cocky that he would brag to his friends and family that he was making so much money and by doing his quote unquote jobs right. and stuff. Like he he's he would flash off his his actual rewards and right. that got him in trouble. Yeah. Like, he, he audibly made uh, it public right. of what he was doing. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that, that's going to catch up with you. So uh, another interesting fact about Barry Seal is that he actually met Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Um, and an interesting fact we learned while researching the true story was that while training for the Civil Air Patrol in Baton Rouge, uh, Barry Seal met President John F. Kennedy's assassin. That's crazy. Um so we talked about Barry's marriage, and he was, in fact, married uh, three times. Now, I understand sticking to one. That doesn't bother me. I mean, it's for clarity. It's for not making this movie more confusing or adding more characters. What are your thoughts? I mean, I can understand that, but I, I, I honestly I wasn't bothered by it because there were just so many people who were in Barry's life that helped him do whatever he needed to do in his job. Yeah, he's going to have some run-ins with the law, but at, like, I think Lee Harvey Oswald, it's not really, like, the he's not the main story. Right, and to me, not having three wives makes it a shorter, more efficient movie, but it doesn't affect the outcome of the story. Yeah, it's like, they didn't change, they they changed things that happened in between, or, like, exactly... Uh, like how one right. came to be, but the outcomes were still the same. Yeah, and it's just like too because it said that Barry didn't deal directly with Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand it. I In get this it. Movie, they were friends. But it makes it more interesting. I mean, yeah. I would rather see Barry with Pablo Escobar. It makes more cinematic storytelling sense. And again, it doesn't affect the outcome, other than Barry dealing with a lackey. That says he works for Pablo Escobar. What fun is that, really? Right, you know? and it just it kind of just shows on a more human level of how rooted he was with people. Um, right, the fact that he was personal friends with someone right has a deeper emotional impact when something actually happens afterwards in the house. Yeah, and like it has a bigger aftermath when it's someone more personal. I mean, he brought his wife down. Exactly. To a party. Like, he had <laughs> and a bullfight. He had his wife for throughout the entire movie, and then when this, when you know they were seizing everything, right. the it was more emotional and more realistic. Absolutely. Of someone else going through this. This is what you're losing. Um, when he screwed over the cartels, he lost personal friends. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there was a per- bigger personal stake. Yeah, absolutely. In all yeah, I agree, and it's one of those things that doesn't affect the outcome. And he's not having a conversation with fictional people who affect his life, in a sense. So, just like, he actually, in real life, had five kids instead of three. 
Yeah, uh, from cares? three different marriages. Yeah. The kids. Whatever. Do you remember anything that the kids said? No, I no. didn't remember that brother, though. Yeah, freaking Ugh. JD. Yeah. Um, but again, there's like, I, not to sound terrible, but like the people, like the, the sons and like the kids and, and whatnot, like they literally added nothing to the story. No. So it's okay if there were, there could have been 10 of them. They yeah. didn't do anything. <laughs> no. You know, so no. that just I been can, is actually very forgivable. So, um, something else that was interesting, the, the movie was originally titled Mena at, at the town. Um, so it refers to the small town in Arkansas that Barry Seal uh, moved his operation um, under the nose of then-Governor Bill Clinton. So the movie's title was changed to put less emphasis on the Arkansas connection, including possibility that Bill was aware of what's going on. Mm. I actually think American Made is a much better title. Oh, yeah. Right? Totally. Because it shows this was an... Mina just was like, right. who, who, what, the, what the hell is Mina? You know, no, right. no one know, is going to know what Mina is. But when you put American on it, you know, it's a broader term that it's like, oh, something's happening in the country. Right, right. Compared to what's happening in a small town. Exactly. Um, so, oh, the other thing, and I was bummed to find out that this really didn't happen, but... Oh, the zero gravity love scene didn't really happen. It was oh, just did, filmed yeah. for this for the movie. It was filmed so, for artistic now, So here's the thing. So the scene was actually inspired by something that happened while Doug Lyman and Tom Cruise were training for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he did all his flying, and he he put the airplane in a parabolic, parabolic arc. arc, and it pinned me against the ceiling. And right at that moment, I had this inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> like love is in the air. I've, Not involving sex. <laughs> I, I've never seen entrance into the Mile High Club done so. <laughs> Artfully, <laughs> and so, but, but it's it also fun. It's, it's not the first time we've seen it in films either. Like we know just how they filmed Apollo thirteen right. years ago. Um, it's right. like the whole parabolic arc. No, I get it. Might as well use it. The way that it was done, it was like going. That's really funny. Everything's <laughs> <As laughs> like, look, how, that's really funny. I, you know, kudos to Doug. That's Lyman. gotta hurt. It's something. Well, it's yeah, but it was just really. I, I found it to be. Uh, but again, it's these funny. it's like moments like this when you know Tom Cruise is just being Tom Cruise and not Barry Sale. Right. You know? and, and this is when he's just having fun. So it's funny that you say that because another question is, was Barry Seale as likable as Tom Cruise? And the answer was sort of kind of yes. He had that gregarious personality about him. That's how he was able to get these various jobs. And the filmmakers were shooting the movie. Barry stole an airplane from me. Catch this. While the filmmakers were shooting the movie in South America, a local pilot who was working with him said he had met Barry, and when asked how, he said, oh, Barry stole an airplane from me. He just took it out for a test test flight and never came back, because (laughs) it turns out Barry flew the plane all the way back to the United States, and the guy said, yeah, whatever, he was a great guy, loved him, stole a plane from me. (laughs) Oh, you know, yeah, it's I guess right. if somebody... That's like, hey, borrow my car and never gave it back. Yeah, it's like I, I let Tom Cruise borrow my plane and son of a bitch never gave it back. <laughs> but he's Tom Cruise and so, hey. <laughs> so I, I, right. I think that that's uh, really funny, even though they really did not look alike. No. At no. all. At all, at all, at all. 
um, the real Barry Seal was uh, heavier in physical appearance and younger in age. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about. But that's about... also because this was f- this movie was filmed. Like the people were sticking up for Tom Cruise. Why he didn't change his appearance? If he's an actor, it's an actor. You, you change your appearance for something. But this was also filmed around the time of Jack Reacher and Mission Impossible. He right. has to be in physical shape. Sure. Yeah, I, and I get it. And if you look at the real Barry Seal, you know, you go, okay, yeah, re- th- this is. I'll go with Tom Cruise. Now, it's interesting because I did bring up uh, at then Governor Bill Clinton of Arkansas. And he had more, his his name was mentioned in the movie. And again, I found it to be a very funny scene when he yeah, was brought in governor. to court. And uh, he's, he's out on the bench and he's like, guys, you ever driven a Cadillac before? It's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. Yeah, and... Um, I thought that that was a real funny scene. He goes, well, because I'm going to walk out of here. And so then we're in the office of, uh, you know, chief of police. And it's, oh, um, Governor Clinton's on the line. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Okay. Click. (laughs) So he, according to the movie, had some influence and knew what was going on. But they actually had a scene uh, the filmmakers just decided to cut a scene showing a young Clinton getting a lap dance at an Arkansas strip club. If so, like we need more conspiracy uh, for American presidents. Yeah. In, <laughs> so in the script, it's the moment when the movie's real life protagonist hatches an idea to enlist Clinton, who was then governor of Arkansas in the CIA-backed scheme. So the scene was nixed from from Gary Spinelli's uh, script. Because the producer, financer, Cross Creek Pictures, wanted to keep the film from being political. Like, over- yeah. Smart movie. Because I think that would have overshadowed the person. I think what you initially said, too, is right on the money. No need, in spite of what's going on today. You don't need more governmental go- conspiracies. Like, it's one thing to document uh, history in a movie, like Iron Contra. I get that. Right. It's another when you're doing something like that, we don't need that right now. Mm-hmm. Smart move. Smart. I, I thought that and that also was a really it degrades the image of Bill Clinton too. Yeah, yeah. And in I a just, way. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just thought that that was it was I think a that's smart hard. move. Stay away, away, stay away from that. No one wants to watch that. Yeah, no. Um, and and again, we both at top at the top of the show said I think it's really impressive that I didn't know about this history yet. It played such an integral part to our 80s history. Right. And there was, I did also enjoy the moment where Barry interacted with the young George Bush. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hello. (laughs) I see you. I see. And then he hides back. Yeah, that was a funny scene. Uh, I really thought that that was funny. So, um, So the other thing that was interesting to me in this movie is, so... Barry, one of his final, well, it ended up being one of his final things, he needs to take pictures for the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie had a pose under Oliver North. He was taking pictures, and he was in these pictures. And the government, according to this movie, was Oliver North. They leaked the pictures. Yeah. Which was basically the beginning of the end for, for, for Barry here. He understood now, I want to ask you this. My first instinct was, 
why aren't they putting him in like witness? They know what this is going to, they pretty much mm-hmm. said, you're on your own, buddy. Sorry. Sorry. But that also, sucks. I think there was also a moment where they, <clears throat> they talked to bears like, you know what you signed up for. They said that, but at the same time, well, here's the, here's the difference between fact and fiction. Apparently, um, author Del Hahn, he's a former FBI agent, and he wrote this book called Smuggler's End, The Life and Death of Barry, Barry Seal. Seal. yeah. Seal actually thought he was smarter and cleverer than the founding families of the cartel. He was offered a protective custody, and he turned it down. Not the smartest well, move. Also, because if you're under protective custody, you can't do your everyday job. Understood. Which he loves. I get that. I do, but man, oh, but do I do that? Or the gig is up. Right. The way the the way that American made the movie is, it looked like the government just said, "Tough luck, guy." <laughs> you're Sorry. On your own. You're on. Thanks for. Uh, by the way, thanks for doing this for us. Thanks for everything because you you helped us. Right. Yeah, we have all this. Oh, and look what, now it's done. But now with we're done with iron. you. <laughs> yeah, we're done with you, and uh, good luck on your own out there. Um, which, right there and then, that is when you knew. Yeah, the- exactly. The moment where we saw Schaefer turn on him, and he's like, burn everything that has any connection to him. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. and He's done. <laughs> and on top of that. When you take away that security blanket. Right. Yeah, you're done. I was, so you knew. Eventually, like Pablo Escobar, they actually show they were pissed. They were double crossed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you knew, okay. And then he sends his guys up. Uh, He was uh, tragically, unfortunately, assassinated in a parking lot of a um, Salvation Army halfway house. Yep, yep. I was surprised they didn't go after the family. But if he was married to three wives, I don't know what his family situation would have been in real life. but it's still sad. Now, the other thing that they didn't touch on in the movie, uh, in reality, is that they caught they caught the three guys that assassinated him in real life. Yeah, they did. Like yeah. two, three days later, they actually caught caught yeah. the guys who were responsible for it. So, so it was um, resolved quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, again, you sort of saw it coming, but in the framework of the movie, you know, like I said, it had that Sunset Boulevard narrative which i really appreciated in this movie you know and because the movie's narrated to us who ends up being a dead guy um thus ends the story of barry seal but it was entertaining it was historical i found it to be like i said i found it to be a very solid movie particularly coming at the time of year that it that it came in um it just felt like an end of a summer movie sure yeah except maybe but it didn't feel like a dump because this is far too good to be a dump so why don't we talk a little bit about let's talk box about office. its reception and and its box office and right. and what it's what it's what it means to um yeah how it's how it's been doing um I think it's done okay they may have wanted a little bit more but as of uh, October 5th it's done 22.3 million dollars um 
We're looking at uh, opening Foreign weekend. Foreign is around like 67 million. Six, yeah, which is 74%. Which That's huge. And this is it, a, I mean, they, they were dealing with Colombia. They were dealing yep. with Iran. And, and, and <clears throat> it, this is a geographical type of movie. He's constantly flying between multiple countries. Yeah, 74% of its gross came in from foreign territories. I actually think, too, in, in, a, in a big part, that's, that's Tom Cruise. That, yeah. That's what he, he has a big in. international pull as well. Because when you even look at the grosses of the mummy, huge, huge overseas, huge, 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 huge. I mean, because here it's opening weekend, it did sixteen point seven million. It came in at number three, um, three thousand locations, not too shabby. Um, Fifty million dollar budget, a production budget, which mm-hmm. you know what. That movie looked great for $50 million. Yeah. Like, compared to some blockbusters, $50 million is relatively cheap in the hands of, especially, like, when you, when you look at their last pairing, which is Edge of Tomorrow, right? Even when you look at The Mummy, $50 million, this movie and looked great. And those were high production value. That And that took a lot more um, visual effects for those movies. True. And this one, I, I feel like they... I, I feel like a lot of the money went into the actual production, like uh, the planes that they needed to acquire for this. But there was only maybe a fleet of planes, and that's it. Yeah, and it looked high production. And they redressed a lot of things. So, I mean, great great for them. They really put their money. Yeah, I really. This is very creative things. And I think part of that, too, is because when you think Tom Cruise, you don't necessarily think independent movie, right? You think high production. You think you think production value. This movie had production value. It looked great. It looked really good. The way in which it was edited and the way it moved. Yeah, it looked really good. Um, So then we go Rotten Tomatoes. Its reception amongst critics is eighty seven percent. Eighty seven, which I think is far better than the Mummy. Yeah, (laughs) I mean that's fairly high. That's really good. It's that's like a B plus. It's eighty percent, and it gets a B plus in Cinema Score. So this is one of the rare occasions where critics and audiences are sort of kind of on the same page, Mm -hmm. right? Um, B plus is is a B plus, right? (laughs) And B plus to me is a fair grade. I think if I'm going, I think if I'm going by a letter. Admittedly, there was a moment while I was watching this film, I was like, "Wow, this is a long film." Yeah, and it's just it's not necessarily two hours. Yeah. Um, it felt but, like a long film because so much was happening. Yeah, a lot happens in this movie. And uh, so I think the marketing on it, too, I thought the marketing was really good yeah. on this movie. I saw it, the trailer probably, I kid you not, 20 times. So yeah, I, like, heard, I, I saw okay, it a I lot. It. But they, see it. they did, the, the song in the trailer, I don't know who it is, but it worked really well for the trailer and the marketing of this movie. And the way that they did it, too, is because they... Your favorite line in the movie, in the trailer, <laughs> they stop it is shoot the gringos. Shoot the gringos. And it, it still frames, and it goes to Tom Cruise going, it gets it's crazier great. from here. Yeah. Like, it does? We're like, wow. What else could happen? <laughs> yeah. They did, uh, Universal did a really good job, I felt, in marketing this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look forward to Doug Liman and Tom Cruise's next collaboration, which I believe is the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, so I look forward to that. I think that those those are and two Tom Cruise together. is also working on Maverick. <laughs> yep. There is a sequel to Top. Yeah, I forget so. who's directing that one, but he works well but with Tom's Lyman. busy. Yeah, unfortunately, well, we can't get a sequel to this one because Barry Seal's dead. So yeah, yes, he is. Um, <laughs> but I do like when he works with Doug Lyman. I like it when he works with Steven Spielberg. I would Mark. easily take an Edge of Tomorrow sequel. Me too. Not that we need it. 
but I would watch it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought the first one was so underappreciated in the year so that it good. came out. It's so such good. a good movie. So good. And we also so talked to Christoph Beck. Yeah, oh, yeah. During music, that yeah, anatomy. Yeah. Who also did the music for this. So you, yeah. so even Christoph and Doug Lyman have a working relationship. Absolutely. And they work really well. And you can tell when they have that communication going they don't have to explain things. They just mm-hmm. know what, what, what's needed. And the yeah. music in this movie was pretty good, too, from score to, to various 80s. Um, you got the feel of this movie. You got the history of the movie. They, and they didn't overuse video clip footage, like when they went to, like, all of the North. And the, they didn't overuse right. that, which I, which I found to be pretty good. Because right? sometimes when they over, when they heavily See, rely on that it takes away that's sometimes what like detroit did a lot sometimes like, yeah the beginning middle and <clears throat> end was all like let's go to the real footage mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the actual event yeah. and they played it out for like yeah. good solid five minutes every single time yeah and i mean they they used it as a a transitional point but not as a story yeah storytelling point yeah no i liked its use here i think you know again top knocks from the top not uh top marks too for for its production value and how it was put together. Um, everybody, I think, really did a good job. Um, I think there's a rewatchability factor to this I film. think so, too. I, I think, it. yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll have, it'll still be as fun. Um, you know, will I own it? Um, I don't know. But I would definitely rewatch it again. I would have right. no, qual- like if a friend said, hey, I hadn't seen this and I've seen everything else, I'd go, go see this it. again. It's a fun movie. So, um, well, I think we should probably, I think it's time to wrap up. Um, I just wanted to say thank you very much. I enjoyed this movie more than most movies this year and watched it as a comedy, says Jonas Tiger. You know, I, it was in part, I think, marketed almost as a comedy, too. Like, because there were comedic moments in that trailer that it showed. And, yeah, I just, it's a historical dramedy. I, I don't know. I, it's because it, there was some drama. There was comedy in it. Uh, there was, there was, was more action and comedy than there was drama. Yeah. Time. So, um, but I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. I hope you enjoyed us talking about it and talking about you. <laughs> so um, thank you. Thank you very much for being online, uh, Jonas. It's actually a pleasure when we have somebody online who's, who's making thoughtful comments and uh, enjoys to be part of the discussion. Um, you can continue to be part of the discussion. If you watch us on YouTube, uh, you can comment. Uh, maybe there's something that we missed or maybe and there's iTunes. something that you liked that we didn't talk about. Please, by all means, bring it up. Um, we'll write you back. Uh, I know, uh, yeah, we do. We're actually pretty good about that. We pay attention. Uh, we've got so many more movies uh, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, of course, the big one next week will be Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I, I saw it last night, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it because much like the original Blade Runner, I think it could very well be very divisive. I think we could have really good conversation. For um, warning, drink coffee before you watch it. Uh, well, yeah. Um, and we'll talk about runtime because it's two hours and 40 minutes. Um, if I can impart anything uh, to you and to our viewers who may not have seen it yet, two things. First, there are three short films that were made specifically for the movie. Um, watch them. They're, they're like a prologue. Uh, that bridged the gap from the original Blade Runner to Blade Runner 2049. They're really well done, and they're not frivolously done. Uh, my second advice to you uh, when going out, see it in the biggest, largest, best possible screen that you can, whether it be IMAX or a Cinemark XD. 
go large on this movie. If you even if you don't like it, you won't regret seeing it in that format because it is beautiful. And then we'll I talk can't all wait. about it next I week. I can't wait. I'm just imparting. Yeah, you're very. I, I, I want, you, you, I want you to be. I just want you to try to see it in the best possible venue possible. And I can't wait to talk about it with you folks and with you and Phil. Phil, we missed you today, Phil. We really did. Um, Phil got comments on his pitching. Remember last week he did the pitch. Uh, when we were, oh, uh, oh, oh, so, oh, but we got that in there too. Right. Somebody commented and loved that. So, uh, we Someone missed you today, Phil. I went off on Ellen John too, so. <laughs> every so, once in a while, you guys. Every, every now and then. So, in any case, we do thank you. Uh, we do this for you folks. So, join us next week. Can't wait. Have a great week. We'll see you at the movies. Bye, Marissa. Thank Bye, you. Dimitri. Bye, guys. Bye. Welcome to Popcorn Talk. Producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Here's Chris here, the host of the show. It seems like a mother. Keep the